With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Monday, November 22nd. Mark, do you know what today is? Okay, first of all, is the JFK assassination, right? Also, important birthday in my life. My mother and my mother-in-law, both of whom are born on November 22nd. An important day, November 22nd, for for those of us in the schlesinger Lacalzi family. So we're very happy about November 22nd. Okay, so we are here. It is Thanksgiving week, and it's probably going to be a week where many of you just sort of work a couple days and then I hope take some time off. It would be good for you to take a little time off. Mark and I are trying to uh, take couple weeks off the end of the year. And if you can do that, that's great. Just because we're going to take the time off just means we're working a lot harder in the lead up to that time off. So we are answering your questions. We're putting shows in the can and we are here to help you out. And so if you have a financial question, we would love for you to give us a shout. Go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact button, tell us what the question is, and also let us know if you would like to join us on the air. That is what Beverly did. She's up early on the line with us from Los Angeles. Hello, Beverly. How are you? How are you doing? I have one thing to say really quick. Yeah. My mother's birthday was November 22nd also. Stop it. No. That's bizarre. Yeah. Okay. The only thing but- that's done to me is that I always know when um, JFK was assassinated. Me too. Right. Exactly right. Let's get on to nicer topics than assassinations, please. Okay. Beverly, how can we help you today? Okay, I've been listening to you for a long time, so I'm really excited to hear your thoughts about this. Basically, um, my husband and I were married back in 1980, and we started our traditional account back then. Since it was in retirement, and that's mostly what our our money has been in, uh, we didn't really look at it. And so now our portfolio is about 80% stocks and 20% bonds. Wow. Basic thing is um, I'm not worried too much because I don't need a lot of money to live on. So if something happens, I have um, cash and my situation is is good. But the question comes, do I still invest in bonds 
when they keep going down. Our full service broker doesn't seem to think it's a good idea for bonds right now. I uh, slowly am moving uh, our cash to Vanguard and Schwab, but it's just painful to see that the only thing the bonds are doing is going down. So what do you recommend? Yeah. Okay. So let's do a little bit of uh, details here. So how old are you? 67. And husband? Husband passed away in February. I keep saying R. I shouldn't, but I have to get you. Oh, I'm sorry. It happens. Life moves on, doesn't it? I guess. It sucks, though. Yeah. Um, Okay. Are you retired or still working? Retired. And what did you do for a living? Different things. The last thing I did was a... Uh, teacher. So I have a small pension, but not very big because I mostly just did substitute teaching. Uh huh. How much is the pension? Uh, $500 is after my taxes I take out of it and stuff. Okay. And are you collecting social security yet? Yes. After my husband passed it, the, uh, amount went to about $900 a month after Medicare and stuff. Okay. Do you have any other sources of income besides the pension and social security? Just dividends. Okay. What do you figure you need to live on a month? It, you know, you have 1400 what, what is it? What else do you need to fill the gap? Well, I haven't really done much since my husband passed. Prior to that, it was around 4000 a month. I haven't had to get too much out of the savings um, since he passed, what with stimulus checks and miscellaneous things going on. So mm-hmm. my I haven't really needed a lot of extra income. Right now, how much is in the emergency reserve or the cash position? About 70000 Do you own your home or do you rent? We own. Uh, how much is the house worth? Well, it's a four-unit apartment building, so that's Oh, like, yeah. already I'm excited. <laughs> and Well, wait a second. You live in one of the four units? Yes. And you rent the other three out? Well, technically, I own it with my brother, and so he lives in one, and then my two sons live in the other two with their families, and uh, we get rent from them. So two of them are rented out, so to speak. Okay. How much is the rent? It is probably about, uh, from the two other rents, I'll say probably a little under 3000 All right. I'm going to call it 3000 Do you mind? Let me, just, yeah. let me make my life easy here. Yeah. Does that 3000 a month cover the expenses for the four-unit building? Yes. More than covers or just covers? It more than covers because I don't see it that much because my brother did it and now my daughter-in-law is doing all the paperwork for it. So I never really see what goes into the um, Okay. It, what's the intention with the four-unit building? Uh, Keep it forever, we, sell yeah. it, let it go down to the next generation. What do you think? Keep it forever. We bought it in 1980, so the capital gains on it would be horrendous because we bought it for 300000 and it's now probably... Oh, gosh. Um, since we've had it for over 40 years, 3 million, maybe 2 million. Holy smokes. But you've always all lived there together. I'm sort of intrigued by this. We've been hearing about these multifamily living arrangements. It's just very quite intriguing to me. So how does it work for you? Well, when I had my two sons, we we lived here and my brother lived upstairs. And we rented out the other two units. Uh-huh. As my sons grew up, um, they slowly moved into each other unit and started paying rent. And wow. so it slowly became probably like the last, oh, 15 years. It's been more of a, f- quote, family compound is what I call it. So That's so nice for you. I like it. Yeah. What do you mean you like it? You mean your brother doesn't like it and your no, sons don't yeah. like it? <laughs> <laughs> no, he does too. My brother and I have always been really close. So That um, is so nice. Is it just the two of you? We have one other sister that's close by and then another brother that's 
up in Morro Bay. This is like my dream. My sister is right now looking to buy or to rent in New York City, and I want her to rent in my building. I really would love that. She goes, don't worry, we'll live together again. When we were young, when we first moved into the city, we lived in the same building, and I was in a studio. I was in unit 401, and she was in unit 301, so I lived on top of her. And we used to write, we were right on the stairwell. We would run downstairs in our socks and pajamas into each other's apartments. It was fantastic. Sounds good. So I think it's a nice thing to have that. It's nice to have a little division. It's good to have a wall. Yes. (laughs) But it's nice to be close also. So this is all good. Presumably in some near term amount of time, right? That you will need more than $1,400 a month for your living expenses, right? I presume you, you know, you want to go do stuff. So now I want to know the pots of money that you have saved and what we can draw from to fund that differential. So right now you tell me you have 70 grand in cash. We've got the four unit apartment building, which is worth about 3 million. So one and a half million is your share of it. What else do you have in terms of investments? Uh, We also have uh, one house a couple blocks away that my husband inherited from his mother. That one is worth about 1.4. What's doing um, with that? We were renting it to his daughter and her family. Um, and are you still doing that? Yes. And is it is that another one of those, like, we give everybody, you know, a below market rent? Yes, that uh-huh. also. And her husband is a great handyman, so he's been keeping a good care of the place. Oh. Is the money that comes in from rental from your, what sounds like a stepdaughter, is that covering the the basics and the property taxes or anything bills associated with that house? And also, if it's more than that, are you using that money? I am actually putting a little bit money into it because we took a loan, so to speak, from his brother Mm -hmm. and that we were paying his brother off for his portion of the house. Okay. And there's only two more years on it. So I'm paying a little bit extra so I can get it done just in case. He's like 10, he was 10 years older than me. So he's in his late seventies. So So in two years though, you'll own a $1.4 million property free and clear? Yes. Okay, great. The rent that they pay, that below market rent, would that just cover the expenses? Or do you think you'll have a little bit more extra coming in for yourself? No, there'll be extra coming in. How much more? Well, okay, coming in is about twenty five hundred a month. Okay, you know it's it's a couple hundred more a month. Okay, and I'm thinking it would cover um, property taxes, property tax, yeah. blah blah blah. Okay, all right. What's the deal? Like, is the stepdaughter going to buy this from you or what? No, we had talked to her about it, but it sounds like recently she wants to move when her husband retires to um, out of the state. So you own this; it's in your name. So at some point in the next, I don't know couple of decades who I don't know how long how old she is that Actually, that house yeah, would be older than her so it'll probably be within the next 10 years I'd say okay and so within 10 years that money you'll sell it and that money is available for you right unless one of my sons went to move in there oh for God's sakes can't anyone buy real estate why do you have to be the the generous mommy to everybody because real estate is outrageous here my 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 mother-in-law bought the house in 1950 for five thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> I love those and, stories. And it's fun. Worth 1.4. I know. Well, I mean, listen, the rate of inflation, Mark, figure out that rate of inflation, 5 million to 1.4. Um, okay. But it's possible. I understand. Okay. What about the other assets? So let's talk about, you said you have a broker. Um, you said you've got retirement accounts. What do you got outstanding? What's, what's, what's saved? 
Okay, broken down in our taxable accounts is around 300, call it 400,000. Okay, great. Tax deferred, a traditional and some 403Bs that I just rolled over and stuff is 527,000. Great. And then the Roth is 924,000. We have been slowly converting to our Roth for like 10, 15 years or whatever. Are you still doing that? I, yes, I was up until my husband passed. I converted a bunch this year because I figured this is the last year I'll be joint filing joint. So yeah. you were converting and your tax bracket was the 22% tax bracket, basically. This year, our tax bracket was in 12. You're not going to have that again. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. But you can do conversions at 22. But look, you did, yeah. you did what you needed to do. Yeah. All right. So you've got plenty of money. And so that's all good. And what your your real your initial concern is, I mean, my concern is always to start big and broad. And that is that if I had to generate the I don't know, maybe it's not twenty six hundred dollars a month, but if I had to generate, you know, twenty, twenty five, thirty grand a year, could I do that from your portfolio? And the answer is absolutely no problem. So then we get to the idea around the composition. And right now you're eighty twenty. I understand the feeling of why would I want to buy a bond if interest rates are rising, right? But I think the real reason, and you don't have to do it all at once, um, and maybe you really are comfortable sort of slowly saying, you know what, Um, as we convert um, or as I pull money out of my retirement account, maybe what I should do is look at, say, municipal bonds. Maybe, you, you know, you live in a high tax state. And I would be interested in sort of looking to see whether or not if you're in a higher tax bracket, because money's going to start coming in, right? You're not going to have as as many deductions. The house, once you pay off that note for your brother-in-law, I think that there's going to be more, I think you're going to find yourself in a higher tax bracket. You may want to look at municipal bonds. But the real reason to buy a bond is to have more stability of income. The idea of a bond, especially an individual bond, frankly, is that if you hold it until it matures, you get all your money back and it doesn't matter about the price fluctuations. And the real question to you is how much of those, how many times can you live through the fluctuations before it makes you a little nutty? So let me ask you a real question because maybe you don't have to do anything. When the markets cratered in the spring of 2020, how did you feel? No problem. None at all. None at all. I'm a wimp. So I like some stability of income. So I don't like losing at all. Um, and so a bond investment to me, even if it's a bond index fund, that um, the money that is distributed allows me to buy more bonds as the price goes down and also collect the coupon, right? The interest payment. And I like that. Not for everything, but I do like that. The part of this that's really interesting is if that you have a high threshold for being able to absorb near-term loss in stocks or fluctuations, and it really doesn't bug you, and frankly, you got more money than you need to live on, then you do, you shouldn't necessarily feel like you have to move away from your 80-20. You know, if you're an aggressive, you're, you're kind of like, it's weird. You're in a situation where you're kind of investing for your kids, because you're not going to use all this money. Yep. And if you can absorb that, I have no problem with it. I'm just, like I said, if you feel comfortable with that, if you at age 65 and 66 were like, 
big deal. Market moves. I've I've been here before. Then don't worry about it. There's no like rule of thumb that when you retire, you must put your money in bonds. The, the rule of thumb has generally been that bond positions offer more consistent income. And so when you lose your income because you stop working, that income from a bond portfolio or fixed portfolio can help diminish the high highs and the low lows in the portfolio, but also really just deliver consistent returns and d- deliver consistent amount of income. That's it. Okay, I have a brokerage as well as a Roth account at Vanguard, and I've slowly been putting money into the California tax exempt in the ah, brokerage account. Okay, is that okay to do? Yeah, perfect. Like when I went to my, when I called up a couple months ago, the uh, broker at the full service broker, he, I asked him to look into bonds, and he came back saying, "Guy, it just really isn't a good time right now." So my question becomes, do I just keep putting it into the tax exempt or should I? Yeah, I would. I mean, look, I think that when you live in a high tax state, a New York or a California or an Illinois, I think that the state municipal bond funds are preferable, especially in a state like California, where you have a ton of liquidity in the bond market. But again, I don't feel like you should do that and feel like you must get you have to be 60, 40 by the time you're 70 years old. Because it does not sound like that to me. I think you're in great shape. I really do. Mm-hmm. And you're a very nice landlady. Yes. <laughs> That's what family's for. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and look, I think that the bond market, like the stock market, it's really hard to predict, you know, the right time to do anything. So that's why I think that if you could have a goal and say, you know, in the next few years, I'd really like to be more like 70, 30. It'll be easier for me. Okay. And, you know, obviously you're going to have required minimum distributions that start up. And at that time, it might be nice to have some bonds that are just throwing some money into that money market account and available to you. And obviously, if you do sell the the inherited house, you know, there's going to be even more money coming in. So I I don't know. I don't feel like I think you're going to have a lot of opportunities to get into the bond market at different points in the next 5, 10, 15 years. I've been reinvesting the dividends and I figure if I need the cash, I'll just not reinvest them and leave them in cash and stuff. So, But can you go out and spend some money? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, you've, you sounds like you went through like a real tough time. Your husband died and now you can go out and like, you know, the world's opening up. Have some fun. You know, my husband and I did a lot of traveling back um, in the day and so forth. And so like travels, I'm not really interested in anymore. The what only interests thing- you, what can we interest you in spending money on? I, you know what, right now, my only two interests are playing with my portfolio mm-hmm. <laughs> and also genealogy. My parents came from Pennsylvania. So we've made a trip back there and we want to go again. And you know, I, I've got to figure out, I figure when the pandemic's over, I'm going to figure out something to volunteer in. So I just That would be nice. Yeah. I want you to be engaged. It sound, you sound lovely and you're young. you got many years ahead of you. So family, genealogy, and putting your good juju out in the universe, I wholeheartedly Beautiful. endorse that. So Beverly, you're a delight. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you, like Beverly, have some some differences in your real life. And you know, it's funny because so often you guys will call and you'll talk about retirement or we'll talk about um, investments, but sometimes, you know, whether it's a birth or a divorce or a death or something kind of crazy going on in your real life, it sometimes does shake up your financial situation. 
and may encourage you to look at your finances differently, why don't you give us a holler? Our website is jillonmoney.com. Just click on the contact button. It's so easy to do. And while you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's free every single week. Mark does it every Friday. Go check out our sister podcast. It's called Eye on Money. Okay, thank you very much. So don't forget to put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.